Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 186 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? You know, I think about this every week before we record, and when you ask me that question every time, I don't really have a much better answer, and it just seems like it gets worse and worse, and I'm in this, like, (laughs) insane asylum that never ends because I can't say a positive thing when it comes to the basis of the show and my club. So, um, and it doesn't help within your state because it seems like some of that energy is flowing onto you now with Arsenal. Uh, It does. Um, I have a funny story quick. Um, so the answer to Matt's question is not well, obviously. Not, not until, (laughs) until probably August. Yeah, I know. Um, and then if that, you know, uh, so here's what happened. Three weeks ago, I had an idea to sort of will good energy onto Arsenal. So I purchased a replica trophy. Um, oh, no. And since then, we have surrendered two 2-0 two uh, leads. And the trophy is right behind me, and I thought the trophy was actual size. It turns out this fucking trophy is one of the smallest things you've ever seen. Oh no! Is it like as big as your phone? It's like as big as my phone. Oh no! And that's when like it a, when it came that's... in in the box, I was like, "God, oh, they sent me the wrong one." No, they didn't send me the wrong one. It's a bad sign. It's a Would terrible you pay sign. For it? Not much, like seventeen dollars oh. or eighteen dollars, oh. but I figured like the it would just be a big trophy. It wouldn't be made of metal. You I mean, it'd th- be like a replica. Yeah, I thought it would be a genuine replica. Um, oh wow! This is it's it's built extremely well. It's beautiful, but it's just really small. So I don't something you put on like a little shelf or well, on your, it's uh, like a paper. Desk. It's like a paperweight. It's next to um, it's next to a couple of of golf balls that are like I have a. Oh. I save my, like, mem- if I have a memorable hole or make a really long putt or I shoot a great score, like, I'll mark the ball off and, and retire it. Yeah. And it, it's sitting next to those <laughs> because I'm hoping that Arsenal will, will pull through for me. But as we'll get to in this show, it's looking less and less likely. Um, and it, That is like, it's like a participation trophy. I know, man. It is little. It is about, it's smaller than the trophies we used to get as kids playing, um, you know, travel stuff. So not, not thrilled with it. Uh, a little bit upset, but it was only like six, 17, 16 bucks. So it, it's not the end of the world. It's just sitting behind me. I, you know, at the end of the night, I'll just like turn around in my chair after doing whatever I was doing and just stare at it a little bit. Um, uh, that's, I don't know. You might have to throw that on the highway or something, or just, I don't know. Something's something's got to change in in the vibes. Maybe I need to just go put it somewhere, like somewhere else. Just um, throw it in the back of your closet. I'm gonna go put it down in the crab trap that I have. I'm, I'm gonna go just put it in the ocean. Maybe <laughs> the vibes will change. Or some Tottenham fans. Ah, uh, I don't. Yeah, maybe I'll give it to Kyle. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna real note um, the picks last week. If you guys didn't see, um, we didn't we didn't do any of our predictions on last week's episode. No. We just posted our picks, um, so you guys could see it on there if you haven't already. What well, we did, but record wise, uh, our results, I should say, Evan 
top top of the group for the week five and five and right. then zach and i went four and six so um no improvements for me in like the past was that six weeks now yeah so record wise overall i do i try to do this every like two or three weeks evan is Getting back up there, he's 146 and 160. I'm 147 and 159. And Zach is 150 and 156. So Evan's made up some ground since the start of the year. And Zach and I have just been dropping off form. Doesn't really help when um, you, keep, you keep picking the, the uh, chalk picks and they never work out. So and we'll get in all those games where... It seemed like the team that was in control of the game looked like they were going to win, and then things just fell apart towards the end. And it's really just that's the story of this year. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got a couple of results here uh, that I, I don't really think any of us were expecting. Uh, we'll st- well, first of all, before we get into these, I will say I just got my braces tightened, so my voice is a little bit off. It's because uh, it kind of fucking hurts. So um, that's that's why maybe my... my um, Speech is slightly more uh, jumbled, but we'll jump right in. Uh, Matt and I will hand these games off to each other. I'll start Aston Villa 3, Newcastle 0. In front of their their international manager, Garrett Southgate, Southgate, Jacob Ramsey and Ollie Watkins absolutely stunted all over a Newcastle side, who I thought were well and truly back uh, in that that really tight contention uh, for top four, a extremely disappointing uh, result for them. But Villa truly transformed under Unai Emery. Jacob Ramsey with a goal in the 11th, and then Ollie Watkins with a goal in the 64th and 83rd. 16 total shots for the villains, six shots on target, 52% possession. I think they really knocked the ball around extremely well. Uh, they look fantastic all over the pitch, getting a clean sheet against a Newcastle team who occasionally has some teeth, especially with Isak in there, uh, is no small feat. And Newcastle just fell a bit flat in this one. Uh, conceded three goals. We don't see Newcastle concede three goals all that often. They're a very, very solid uh, defensive team, even all the way up into the midfield with Gimaraes, who covers so much ground uh, as we've seen this season. But yeah, Villa were just too much for them to handle. Um, Emery has absolutely transformed this team, as I've said. Uh, they were sort of just like middle of the table fodder uh, when he came in, maybe even closer towards the bottom. And since then, I mean, they have been in sensational form, really, since he's come in. They've got five wins in their last five. They're on 50 points, just three points behind Tottenham. And firmly really secured in that six spot certain European contention for them uh, and a fantastic, you know, second half of the season, really. I believe Ollie Watkins is tied, if not one or one goal ahead or behind Holland. Yeah. He's got 11 in his last 12. uh, Since the turn of the new year, he's been crushing it. Emery, Emery, since he took over for Gerrard, he's, and he has 18 games in the league. He's 12 wins, two ties, and four defeats. So they're flying in form, five straight wins, uh, the second-best form right now just behind City, who've won six straight. Um, it's it's really just tough to kind of digest this to from where Gerard had this team, and now with Emery, who didn't have a, a transfer, only had one winter transfer window, which you we know you can't, do too much business because 
everything is mostly done in the summer. So for him to take over a squad that was struggling right above the relegation zone uh, and to now be pushing for top six and maybe even top four with the form they're in, anything's possible. Um, so it's very it's very nice to see with those players that fell out of favor with Gerard and in Buendia, uh, Den Docker never really saw time. Nope. John McGinn was really out of form, so now they're they're grinding. They don't play with wingers really now, so Leon Bailey doesn't really have as big of a role in the side as well as um, Triari. We've seen him get spurts of minutes, but they just play with that solo striker. They got rid of Ings. People were questioning that, and Emery put full faith in Watkins, and it's been succeeding. And for Newcastle, you saw the what difference it makes having um, Al Moran in the best seasons he's had in the league so far in his career and St. Max being out to now going to Jacob Murphy and Anthony Gordon, who aren't the best of players in this system and playing for a team in the top four. Gordon coming from Everton, struggling in relegation last year. He saved them there. And Murphy floating from team to team every every few seasons and finding himself a place in a team where it's kind of identical to like Mark Albright and with Leicester when sure. they were successful. So um, the just the class difference in these types of players not producing what they need in high tense situations where you're playing a team in high form and you need to counter punch and they just didn't have it on their day. So um, like you mentioned, it was surprising that Newcastle's defense was exposed as much as they were. And I think it just came from Villa playing at home and getting off on a hot start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Newcastle are a team. I think, if I recall correctly, Newcastle have the best defensive record in the league. I think they have the least goals conceded, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's insane. They've only conceded 24 goals. You look at City and Arsenal. They're, City's on 28 and um, Arsenal's on 31. Now, of course, Arsenal's are penalties every game, it seems, but... Um, uh, just a super strong defensive side, and they were they look way outmatched in this one. I, it, when games like this happen, it cut like to me. I just feel like it was an off day, right? They just they didn't yeah. show up, and I know Villa have been really good, and Watkins is is extremely tough to cover. Um, but Newcastle, like they've bottled up Holland, they've bottled up uh, the guys from Arsenal. Um, it, this was just I think uh, an underperformance. Not really anything you can um, point directly to. You know, they were just off the pace. Okay, uh, Matt, break down Southampton nil, Crystal Palace 2 for us. The rewatching this, you kind of, I like how I can rewatch these games individually, whereas watching live, there's six, five to six games at a time, and you yeah. can't really get the full story behind um, each team. So looking back, I was surprised the first half Southampton had a, a few chances to where they they should have gotten something. Um, and after that, Crystal Palace slowly got into the game. We went nil-nil into the half, and it was kind of level there. Palace, uh, not fortunate enough to go in nil-nil. Uh, and then they started the second half off well, had Berice Eze in the 54th, and then he got he bagged himself a brace in the 68th. Nice strike from outside the box. He had a, a great game. He's been flying in these three games with Roy Hodgson getting um, three goals and, a, and a one or two assists. So he's somebody that fell out of favor with Vieira, and 
apparently it may have to do with um how he conduct conducted himself off the field. Yeah. And Vieira trying to take that in in as to make it a coaching point and a full picture type of deal where if you're not acting a certain way off the field, you it'll limit your chances on the field and. Roy Hodgson comes in with a job of saving the club and by any means and all that goes out the window and just the best players are going to play and we're seeing why and they're producing. So Southampton drop a big a big fat zero on the board. They're three straight losses. They're starting to enter that period in the table where they're they're falling too far behind to have any sort of hope of coming back. And it's really tough to watch because these players are doing all they can for Ruben Sellez, who's come in with a great attitude, and you see him on the sidelines, very very animated and very energetic with his players and supportive of what they do. And I mean, he's getting the likes of Theo Walcott back out there and are producing performances that we thought weren't uh, in his locker anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. I just think Crystal Palace have have absolutely turned themselves around under Roy Hodgson. We were talking about just a few weeks ago, really, at this point, that they were a relegation contender, and we weren't certain about whether or not Hodgson would be sort of the dynamic uh, coach that would turn this team around because, really, that's what Palace needed. They needed to get freed up towards the top. They needed to score some goals. Um, and they've absolutely done that <laughs> under Roy Hodgson. It's it's not what I was expecting uh, at all. You know, I am I am truly shocked that they have turned into a, a goal scoring team again. I mean, this is against Southampton. Uh, we we can't give them too much credit, but Southampton have been dangerous at points. I mean, Arsenal drew them one one, I believe, in the fall. Uh, they haven't looked great outside of a couple of outlier performances from Ward Prowse. Um, and you know, some performances from that young Alcaraz kid, who I think is a, a very good player as well. Um, but Palace totally smoked him in this one. Uh, they held, they didn't even hold the ball all that much 40% possession. Uh, the two shots on target were two shots well taken, uh, converted both of them. And it's, I think it's great to see Eze back in the team. Uh, I love when Elise and Eze play together. As he's playing a little bit further back, uh, he's like in that RCM role, whereas before we sort of saw him out on the left. And I think, strangely enough, the the loss of Wilf Zaha has transformed this team. They're not really playing under his identity anymore. They're all sort of playing for themselves a little bit more. And I think the the emergence of the youth is what's going to be very important uh, in cementing a great start or head start, really, for Palace next year. Yeah, he's looking like he'll return towards the end of the month. So yep. I think after this next fixture this weekend, and we have midweek fixtures coming up, but he'll be returning by the end of the month. So by that point, I would confidently say they'll be safe so they can play however they want from there on. But yeah, I don't know where, um, speaking on Southampton's end, I don't know where they go from here. No. Uh, obviously, when it comes to the matchups, they have massive six-pointers coming up. Um, the This Arsenal one is something they, they think they have a chance, uh, maybe getting a point because they did earlier in the year. And then uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Fulham, Brighton, and Liverpool. So uh, you, you circle Bournemouth, Forest, and, and uh, Fulham on your calendar. Those are must-wins. And 
anything less is really going to be uh, damning because playing Liverpool and Brighton are t and teams like Newcastle are giving you little hope. So um, anything's possible, though. You never know. Uh, a win can go a long way for them because we've seen Leicester struggling of lately as well as Everton and Forest. So um, there are still teams struggling just as much, but sooner or later you have to get one over on the on those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to the next game. We had, excuse me, Everton 1, Fulham 3. Another sort of outlier performance in this one from a Fulham side who's been in relatively bad form uh, since losing Alexander Mitrovic. But they showed up in this one, 3-1 final score. Harrison Reed, uh, an unlikely goal scorer, really scored in the 22nd. Dwight McNeil, or Shite McNeil, as some Everton fans call him, got a goal back in the 35th. But then Fulham took over once again. Harry Wilson with one in the 51st. And Dan James, ex-United star, and very, very, very quick, pacey Welshman with a goal in the 68th. Uh, this is just one of those games that literally... I didn't expect whatsoever. I thought Everton would do the low block thing, uh, 10 guys behind the ball, play the counter, maybe get a goal, maybe sit back, but Fulham struck way too early. It kind of felt like how it was in the Arsenal game where West Ham kind of sat in the block. Arsenal scored. They scored again, um, and then West Ham had no choice but to come out. This That's not exactly how this went, but when you concede really, really early, after sitting in the block or, or trying to play too many guys in the midfield, it's extremely tough to come back. West Ham did it. Everton were not able to do it. Uh, and Fulham just kept the pace on the entire time. This was an intensity that we haven't seen from them uh, in some time now. You know, having lost Mitrovic, who's for sure their talisman player. But it's great at this point in the season uh, where Fulham are, I mean, they're not in any sort of danger, really. They're in 10th place, which I think is still an overperformance uh, from what we expected at the beginning. But it's nice to get a win after being, you know, in awful form, having four losses in your last four uh, to take three points from this one against Everton, who've been fighting pretty hard, uh, I think is a fantastic result. And it's great to see guys that you don't normally see on the score sheet uh, get theirs. So, Really, really good one here for Fulham. Everton, this is tough. It's going to be a tough one to stomach. Probably a game they could have taken a point from considering Fulham's uh, previous form. They're now sitting in 17th on 27 points, level with Nottingham Forest, uh, who are set to go down. Everton's safe on goal differential as we speak, but a long road ahead to stay up. Yeah, speaking on Fulham, you mentioned they're they're pretty much safe. Uh, it's a long shot for them to push for Europe with where they're at with their oh, squad yeah. and everything. So I thought it was nice to see Dan James and Harry Wilson in there. We saw Harry Wilson in the previous game be a massive impact. Uh, he got a goal here as well as Dan James. As you mentioned, Dan James in, is not going to be able to play in their next game. They're playing Leeds, and that's his parent club right now. He's on loan from them, so they'll have to go back to Carlos Vinicius, who... When he's in there, there's a massive difference to Dan James. Dan James, speedy guy in behind. That's how he scored his goal. In this one, a long ball over the top. Missed key in the back for the clearance, and he pounced on it real quick. So I think him in that dynamic role helps them be more vertical and counterattack better. I thought William had a very nice game. He's yeah. been waking up um, since his little break. 
Paulini did good in there. He always does. And then uh, the, the wingbacks, the fullbacks, and Robinson and Tete were a lot more involved in the buildup and the attack in this game than they were in previous ones. So I was surprised it was a more open game, especially with Everton, but Everton giving up that lead early on made them have to push on. And when McNeil got that, that first goal, the place lifted up and they should have had two. Neil Mopay, um, Neil Mopay had a great opportunity slotted in the bottom corner, but took an extra touch and just cost him the opportunity to score. And he was he was booed off as for a bit of that game. Oh. He he's been a very poor signing for them this year. I don't know if he's had any goals at all. Uh, I think I'd have to lean towards no, but. He doesn't really help this team, and they they just missing DCL, who once again was in ca- his uh, casual attire at the game, and yeah. just I don't know when they're gonna use him. There's gonna come a point in the year where, regardless of if he's fit or not, you have to put him out there because anything can happen. So they they haven't hit the red the big red button for him yet. So James Gardner is doing all right in there. Gonna gay. They, I, th- I believe Ducore will be back for the next one after his suspension for pushing Harry Kane in the face. If not, maybe it might be one more he has to sit out. Yep. Uh, Godfrey, though, picked up an injury. I don't know what it was. It seemed like it was non-contact. So he had to come out. He's been stepping in for Seamus Coleman, who has passed his peak and doesn't seem to be able to play uh, at this level efficiently enough. So... They put in Patterson, who you could tell was a bit nervous and cost them a few chances. Ellis Sims, Tom Davies. So they're doing what they can, and Fulham on their on this day just were more fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Matt, Wolves to Brentford nil. Another one where it went uh, against what we all thought here. We all thought Brentford would have the upper hand, and they go on a run now where there are five straight games without a win, and Wolves, on the other hand, get a second straight win. Uh, I think with I think Wolves with Lopetegui this year, they're undefeated when they score first, I believe. But most surprisingly, that first goal came from Diego Costa, getting his first goal for the club after 18 games, I think they said. Yep. So he, he looked like he rolled the clock back seven years, eight years there with the celebration, and it looked like the old Diego, but massive goal for them it, even if he he shot he tried to shoot it and then it was just a deflection off his shin I think, he was just made a tackle he was flailing my yeah. man was absolutely flailing yeah and then he chan came off the bench and also got himself a goal too so strikers are performing for them the midfield did a good job the build-ups there they held most they held a it was the possession was straight down the middle chances down the middle shots on target though nine for wolves only three for for brentford brentford are in a weird state of lately we've been seeing um they've they've been alternating from a three back to a four back at times and in this one they went to the four back and it cost them a bit with with wolves possession game and playing the two up top there so i don't know what's been going wrong for brentford three straight defeats it's really costing them any chance of making that conference league position yeah. which I'm sure Thomas Frank and um, the club want to push for uh, to, to, to push themselves and p- potentially help in the summer transfer window. But yeah, it's not helping them as, as of lately, but they can be confident in their next fixture because they're going to be hosting Chelsea. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that's probably fair. Um, Wolves, a bit lucky in this one, truly. 
Um, they did take their chances, I think, pretty well, especially Huang Yi Chen. But the Costa goal was, uh, I don't know, l- lucky at best. I mean, I guess he put himself in the position. That's part of why Diego Costa used to be so good is because his positioning was amazing. Never really a super quick player, just very physical and his intelligence for the game, maybe not his emotional emotional intelligence, but certainly his football IQ was quite high. Um, found a lucky one there. Brentford just caught out, and then Wang Hee Chan with an actually decent goal in the 69th. Brentford just truly not not on the uh, pace that I would have expected. I thought they'd finish the season strong, but Thomas Frank and the boys have just not been great. Um, we were seeing more, you know, we were seeing better performances from guys like Norgard uh, and Buemo and Wissa, I think, for a majority of the season than we are right now. Even Mikkel Damsgaard, uh, when he was in, I think he was a fantastic player. They were getting goals from De Silva earlier this year. All of that has sort of dried up. It's been more of a heavy reliance on Ivan Tony, and as we know, those target men striker strikers, um, they can just simply get bottled up. It it is very easy to do. Uh, if you have physical defenders, Kilman and Dawson, I would say, are, are especially Craig Dawson is a physical defender. Um, and if those guys get get on your guy and, and put them in their pocket, then he's really not going to break out. If if they if Brentford had a smaller uh, little guy like somebody that's quicker, Julian Alvarez, that sort of player. Um, sometimes they get loose a little bit easier. And on this day, they just couldn't get Tony the service that he needed. Uh, Scores a lot of goals from crosses, scores a lot of goals from pens, scores a lot of goals from his head. And they couldn't do that against a Wolves team who who showed up and played really well. What I will say is, much like Aston Villa, Wolves have been absolutely transformed uh, by their Spanish manager who has come in. Uh, Julian Lopetegui was handed a a pretty um, underperforming side, a very tough team in terms of squad depth. And they've somehow or another been able to edge out these results. I mean, they've got two in their last three. Um, They've taken seven points out of their last possible 15. And then if you look at a larger picture since Lopetegui's come in, his record is extremely good. Um, I think they've got 18 points or something like that in the last, I think, eight or nine weeks, maybe more. Um, but really, really good since Lopetegui's come in. They're playing much more controlled. I think there's a common goal, uh, whereas earlier this season, I think Wolves thought they'd be okay, and then we're just absolutely downtrodden, and we're, we're sitting around that relegation zone. So I'd like to take my hat off and... Um, Really appreciate Julian Lopetegui for the work that he's done there. And I'm looking forward to what next season holds because I'm sure Wolves will be looking to bring in some new players. And it seems like maybe that Portuguese era uh, isn't isn't going to be as uh, not prevalent, but the Portuguese era may have ended. Yeah, we've seen him bring in several Spanish players so right. far. And yep. Sarabia and then... Um... Cunha, he's Brazilian, Costa, Spanish, so. Yep. Um, Okay, let's talk about Chelsea versus Brighton. Chelsea won, Brighton two. An early goal from Connor Gallagher, which surprised me, saw Chelsea go ahead, but 
right before the second half, Danny Welbeck, that guy scored in the 42nd, in the 69th, Julio and CISO, a young South American player, scored a lovely goal uh, that really stemmed from Joe Felix once again making a terrible run, uh, giving the ball away, which I feel like I see five times every time I watch Chelsea. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with him, but you guys are almost guaranteed to buy him, I think, at this point. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think with the money they paid for him on loan, they're almost certain to buy him anyway, regardless of how he's played. But Brighton in this one, even though they were playing from behind, uh, performed valiantly. I think a fantastic performance once again. 26 shots, 10 of those on target, held 60% of the possession, and Frank could just not get the boys up for this one. Zakaria and Fernandez started. I think Fernandez is one of the players uh, that you can look at this year and say was probably worth the money. I think he changes his hair a lot, but uh, he's very consistent. He looks really, really good every single time he takes the field. It's tough when Raheem Sterling is playing striker for you uh, to provide amazing service. And Mudrick, I think, had a great game as well, to be honest with you. Um, he looked great. He did get the assist on the Connor Gallagher goal. Gallagher with the goal was was fine, but he's more of a havoc causer than anything else. I am a bit shocked that we um, we're not seeing more of Mount, but I guess maybe I, I don't he's know. Not fully fit. Yeah, he what? How many minutes did he get towards the end? Like half an hour? Not even. He got about twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes. So uh, we may see Mount sort of. Um, injected into the team a little bit more. We know how much Frank uh, really liked him. Pulisic still just not performing at the, the level that I would like to see. And then the defense, this is not uh, one of their better performances. But, you know, what are you going to do? Reese James didn't get the start. Chalaba started over him. Uh, and a, a really just kind of bang average performance from Chelsea. And you can't play like that against Brighton, who are... Just really, really good. I know we say it a lot, but Brighton are a good side. They get goals from all over. If it's not Ferguson or it's not McAllister, it's not Marsh, then you know it's Welbeck or it's Enciso in this case. Guys that you may not even expect uh, to play any factor whatsoever. This Brighton side, they're all bought in and they are better every time I watch them. I think given Chelsea uh, the... The performance ranking of bang average is generous. Uh, speaking for Brighton first, credit to them. Should have been five or six, but Kepa had an incredible day. He had about eight worldy saves coming out of his ass. Danny Welbeck seems like whenever he plays, just easily scores on us for some reason. Um, but yeah, full credit to them. And then CISO off the bench, um, just another random guy that hasn't had any sort of form or any consistency in playing time at all this year. Just pops off on us, so that's something else there. But speaking for us, the pre-match press conference or the press conference the day before the game, Frank said that he was going to give got certain guys game time that don't get a lot at the moment just to see how they do. And you could interpret that as maybe him resting some guys for the Champions League, which I think any 99% of people, probably some of those players included in that, think um, that we're done. We're yeah. tapped out of the Champions League. So you can think that as a, 
you can take that as you want. But we reverted to four in the back, which hasn't worked. Nope. Didn't work towards the end of his time when he was here. Hasn't worked with Tuchel and Potter here. So I don't know what the point of that was. Um, maybe it came down to just him not having enough fit defenders, which I can understand. We saw Koulibaly pull up in the first leg of the Champions League. Maybe Thiago <laughs> isn't fully fit. He's been coming back from a long injury, and also maybe he's resting him. Chaloba is playing right back. You're playing a center back out of position at right back against one of the most informed wingers this year in the league. You're setting yourself up for a disaster there. P isn't fully fit. He's been training, but um, he was on the bench, but didn't decide not to use him. Enzo had a bad game. Zakaria looks lost and out of fitness. Mudrik, I think, had the best moments attacking-wise for us. When he got in behind or had any sort of open space, he was a danger, and the Brighton defenders were worried. Pulled guys out of position, especially on the first goal. Gallagher is just a, a headless chicken. Yeah. Just, or just a, a rabid dog. He'll he'll chase whatever you want, but just leaves gaps in in behind and kind of disregards certain tasks or obligations he has. Pulsick, low on confidence, hit the crossbar, but just he just can't get consistent minutes and when he is, he just doesn't take them to his to the best ability and Sterling playing at striker. When was the last time he played at a striker role, not including a false nine pep uh role? Yeah. You, like No, I, I could not tell you. You could count on one hand. What's the problem with playing Datro Fofana up there? What's wrong with even playing a Bamyang? Just somebody that's familiar with that position. Yep. You can play Sterling where Pulisic was and switch them out. Instead, you're bringing on Hakim Ziyech, who was a one email or one fax <laughs> yeah. paper away from leaving in January. Why are you playing him? I don't know. Reese James comes off the bench, puts makes a bigger impact than Chaloba in the attack, has to carry the right side mount, not fully fit, don't know what his future is. Felix comes in, doesn't have really anybody to link up with, had like under 10 passes in his time. Um, Kovacic, somebody that's overdue on a surgery apparently, played through the World Cup. Like this guy's just been ragged. Um, James probably needs some work too. Like we we got guys coming in that can't play three games in a row without the fear of them getting hurt. We have players that are so low on fitness, they're afraid to take guys on. We have defenders, Badia Shield, who for some reason doesn't didn't get to play the last Bram game with with um with Chelsea. And then obviously he's not on the Champions League roster, so you would have to play him in all of these. I mean it's just too inconsistent. The squad's too big. He's just playing too many people. There's just there's gotta be a certain point where you make a decision on six or seven guys like, hey, you're not gonna play. You can leave early. You can train on your own. You can do what you want. Uh, we don't think you're that you're here for the future of this. So, um, with the kindest regards, just um, you can go on your way. Like you're still gonna get paid, and at the end of the year, we'll we'll make a decision. Like, there's just too many people being played. There's no chemistry between all these people. I watch the practice videos on YouTube. The little bits I see, there's just people goofing off, smiling like. We are training and have the attitude, it seems like, of a mid-table club. Like, there should be just grinding. 
competing. Like, I don't understand where, where the drive is. We have teams like Fulham above us that are just freshly promoted, and we're seeing now what they truly are, and they are not a team that should be above us. Brentford, we're, Liverpool are struggling this year. This is a prime opportunity to jump them. Tottenham are always giving you an opportunity back in, but you're not taking these chances. So I don't know. It, it, I'm starting to get more on the train of it's on the management side of things, and I don't know what the coaches are teaching them. I don't know what's going on. We bring in new players. They look good off the rip. Liverpool, with Mudrick's first game, he looked great. Two weeks later, he plays just like Gallagher and Sterling and all these guys. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. We're going to lose today, probably. Uh, and then the season's a write-off. And then I don't know what the fuck. I don't even think Frank's going to earn a win with the last games. That's we very... Play, we yeah. get City. We play Arsenal, City, Newcastle and United. We play all of the teams in the top four. We have to play Brentford. We play the only two games that you could say are winnable are Forest and Bournemouth. Yep. And I believe we end the year on Wolves. So I don't know where the hell we're going to get points besides those two two games in Bournemouth and Forest. I don't know. I don't know where they're coming from. No, I mean I think that's. I'm sorry for the long I think rant. that's fair. I think it's fair. You know, it it's tough, man. They don't. They just don't look like they have any sort of identity whatsoever. I just, I just hit a big breaking point. It's just like it's just there's so much negativity. I listen to all these different people. It's the same points. There's no answers because nobody has the answers. Uh, the only thing I can say nicely is Todd Bowley's there. He's showing his face. He's not hiding. He's willing to work with these people. He's going into the locker room, talking to the players. You can say whatever, if that's his position or not. I mean, the guy owns the damn club. He can do what he wants. Yeah. But, like, he's still coming, showing his face, talking to people, and is open to 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 move forward. So, I don't know. I think this summer we have to bring in players that are at an age where they can start and make an impact on the team. We're not, we can't keep bringing people that are 22 years old and expecting them to just get all, hit the ground running. Like we're seeing with Matoma, like these are rare cases. Like Matoma is playing in a team with veterans that are not the top echelon, but they're guys that know their role and do their jobs and can allow him to be his, his best self. So and we can't have six guys in this team and give them a Toma role and then have none of them play defensively. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, let's move on to another disaster. Uh, Spurs 2, <laughs> Bournemouth 3. On this the, was even worse. On the morning, I said, ah, I don't really think, like, Tottenham can surely beat Bournemouth, right? No, wrong. Um, Spurs got off to a pretty good start. Uh, Hoangman Sun with the goal on the 14th. Uh, I believe it was Perisic uh, who played that ball into him. Uh, yep. Sun pulled it back, just sort of uh, deflected off of Stevens and it went to the opposite side of Neto uh, and right into the corner. Then in the 38th minute, uh, Poro kind of got cooked. Uh, Matthias Vigna got a nice touch. Billings picked out Solanke. He touched it right back to Vigna, and Vigna just chipped uh, chipped Larice, who came off of his line. That was a that was a good goal there, but really came down to errors made by Tottenham's defense in the fifty first. Dominic Solanke, who I have slandered uh, multiple multiple times at this point, another one. Poro attempted to clear it, didn't work. Uh, looped right to Solanke. 
touched it through to Tavernier. He turned, twisted it back, returned it to Solanke, scored there 2-1. And then it was 2-2 when none other than Arnaud Danjuma, who hasn't got much time uh, in this, this Spurs team whatsoever. Former a, Bournemouth guy. Former Bournemouth guy. A fantastic goal. Slight nick off of Stevens that went into the near bottom corner. But a really, really good goal. VAR checked it. You know, looked at Kane. He may have been offside, but it wasn't. And then in the dying embers of the game, perhaps the last gasp, 95th minute, Dango Watara scored. Uh, it got played over the top. Romero misjudged it. Just not good. Solanke nodded it down, gave it to Watara on the left side, and he just took it right around Hoiberg, curled it out of Lloris's reach, 3-2, whistle blows, disaster. I think the most important thing that happened in this game was the 35th minute sub of long leg coming out injured and Davinson Sanchez coming on because before that sub watching Tottenham were in good control of the game, uh, several chances could have had a second, uh, would have closed the game mostly. And when Sanchez came in, they put him on the right. They slid uh, Romero over to left center back. And the first ball that they played to Sanchez, it, it just rolled between his legs, and it, it looked like one of my U11 players trying to trap the ball. Like it was, it was so vile to watch, and I just made this face. I was like, "How is he doing this?" And then he played a, a hospital ball almost to Poro, who had to dribble out of the situation, lost it, and Sanchez was in La La Land and couldn't, didn't drop in, in back in the line, and. They played in that first goal, and they scored. And the same thing happened with the second. He gets spun out by Tavernier, and then he turns and just pokes the ball on it on just a whim and plays Solanke in again. It was identical. I mean, he was getting booed by the home fans when he was on the ball, and then they subbed him out 15 minutes, or was it 20 minutes after he came on. And then the commentators had to, like, baby him and say like all oh, the backstory like he's a true professional and like he gives all the like dude this guy just shafted the team yep. out of potentially a top four finish like you can be babying him or whatever but he's a grown-ass man and he's made a mistake and and it's costing the team and Larice post game said that he's one of us and all that but i mean Oh, well, Larice is a fucking cunt, too. He's another guy. The Arsenal game. I, I know. He shot it right at his face. He pushed it in he the He just goal. pushed it in. He's a cunt. Yeah. The... This guy's made just as many, if not more, mistakes than him. Well, losers have to stick with losers, right? I mean, like, the going away from the game for a little bit, they were on the NBC show. Like, they were asking, uh, which situation would you rather step in as a manager, Tottenham or Chelsea? And, I'd rather uh, die, I think. They'd say one person said Ch- uh, Tottenham. And the I was just thinking, the only reason you say that is because they have Harry Kane. Yep. They, we play the same formation, almost the same type of tactics. The only thing is we play more possession. The only difference is they have Harry Kane. Yeah. If we had Harry Kane, we'd be in the same spot, if not a little better because we don't have Spurs' moments. That's right. 
No, I, mean, I, I agree with that. If we had a number nine, things would be so much better. I mean, it's not, it doesn't all come down to that, but still, Harry Kane scores 20 plus goals every fucking year. He's having a phenomenal year. Yeah. It's overshadowed by a, a cyborg in Holland. If, if Holland wasn't in the league, we'd be saying Harry Kane is having an incredible year, but, but Holland's here, so it's not as impactful to the eye. But that, that was just a side note there. But I mean, at, towards the end, um, what's his name? Sell it. Uh, yeah, Stellini put yeah. in all of his attacking players. It was one of those things where just like you see all your attacking guys are just let's just go in and try. That's like me he, subbing he, Mbappe on in the midfield. It, yeah, you play you play a striker at Cam. Yeah, that's, that's what Chelsea does with Felix and Mount and all them. Yeah, I mean they had Richarlison, Danjuma, and Kane up top, and you had Kulusevski and, and Son on the wings. When when Richarlison scored and Vard off, they said he scored three goals this year. And they've all been varred off. So he still hasn't scored a goal for time. <laughs> that was a great goal, by the way. Oh, my God, yeah. But that's just ridiculous. So, yeah, the collapse just comes down to poor defensive shape and structure. And I, I Tottenham should have won this game easily. Um, yeah. Shout out uh, Ryan Christie. That guy on the ball is very swift and nimble. And he fucking spun Hoiberg and he bumped into Romero at one point. I was like a highlight reel. Uh, moment for him so they have good players good moments that Vini is on, on loan from Roma they said and he bagged a goal uh kudos to Sanchez there but I mean this goes a long way for Bournemouth this it puts them one win away for I would say safety yeah for sure uh okay you actually have the next two because I accidentally stole both of the last two Man City uh, three right. Leicester City one no it's all good this this can be a quick one. This game ended in the first thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, Banger John, from John Stones. John Stones rolling in his new role uh, off a corner, nice left foot volley. Started off the game hot. Thirteenth minute, Man City win a pen. Grealish down the wing, handball by Ndidi. Holland buries the pen, and then twenty uh, fifth minute, Holland off a De Bruyne assist, and that was wrapped from there. Seemed like nothing else between that and the next goal. Um, Leicester had any confidence in getting anything from the jump. City took it upon themselves to make it a training uh, match. Very low-key, perfect for Man City at the Etihad, where it's very quiet. And, I mean, Dean Smith in his first first game on charge, you can't ask for a worse matchup. I mean, playing Man City away. Yeah, uh, he, made, he made two changes at the half, brought in Iannaccio for Vardy. Uh, and Ianacho bagged a, a goal in the 75th, hit the post later on. Could have been spicy 3-2 because Pep, 45th minute, cruise control mode, takes out Holland. Yeah. <laughs> puts in Alvarez, also in the 53rd. To make it even worse, you know who comes on. Calvin Phillips. Yeah. The Mr. Mannequin. Uh, <laughs> grass hamstrings he's a bot (laughs) it's just like a bot he takes he takes holland rodri and de bruyne off all before the 60th minute your three best players arguably in in each of their roles um and then Grealish in the 74th so they they opened it up for leicester to get something out of this and i don't think it was ever fully in doubt but they gave him as many opportunities to get back in this game james madison i feel bad for him he can he's trying to do all he can and there's just nothing going on there's just so much stress and tulimans is back in there but he's not fully into it and i think they ideally have to come to a decision on who's going to be their number nine they can't keep doing what fucking um 
Barrage was doing and rotate strikers every 60 minutes. I mean, just pick a guy and play him. Yep. Vardy's cooked. Yeah, he's done. The only, reason he, the only reason he plays is there's that link to them winning the Prem, and he just doesn't have the sauce. He can have the the chat shit get banged attitude, but he can't show it on the field anymore. Nah, he's he's cooked for sure. Um, quickly on on this game, what I wanted to say was I heard somebody say an analyst say. The difference between City and Arsenal, and this comes down. The reason is it comes down to to youth, right? There's more experienced players in City side, but City kill their prey, and Arsenal play with their prey. And I think, I think I don't really agree because this is a prime example what happened in this game of Pep playing with the prey. He subbed off his three best players. The game got a little bit tighter. You put Calvin Phillips on. It's just playing with your prey in a different way. Pepsi's personnel. Arsenal, while they may not change their team late in the game, or recently Arteta has been changing the team around a little bit more, but um, Arsenal's just comes down to people trying to do like stupid fucking flicks and shit, right? Or trying to get nutmegs or trying to do something clever, losing the ball and then conceding. Cities is just personnel. They play the same way regardless of sort of who's in the game. Like, that doesn't change all that much. They're just lessening the talent. And, like, I don't know how you feel about that. City obviously have some fucking killers for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. Highland is is an absolute terminator. Um, But I don't really think I agree with that sentiment. I'd have to go against you a bit. I think Arsenal haven't had any, if at all, very, very few moments where they go up three, four goals yeah. and they can have the luxury to put other guys on, whereas City just obliterate teams early on. Like we saw here, they went up 3 nothing, and just the whole energy of the game left. Leicester had no hope until very late. They got that one. And at the time, you had all the B guys in there, mostly for City, so... <laughs> They get the job done early on, and it comes to a point where they're just pretty secure. And if he has to, they'll rotate it to where they can just hold the result. But I, Arsenal just don't have that deep of a team to do that. And um, I don't know. I just, I just think City, like you mentioned, the age and the experience. I mean, if they win this, it's four out of the last five they've won. It's the so I don't know. It's it's really tough to argue they're not in the stronger position now, especially after the last two with Arsenal. So. It's going to come down to the wire. It's not over yet. Arsenal still have the advantage. It just You just have to start pulling these things back. And I mean, I don't, we'll get to their game later. Okay. Um, and then up next, West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. Go ahead, you do it, because I literally cannot. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, we mentioned beat getting on teams early on, and that's what Arsenal did here. The first 30 minutes or so, it looked like Arsenal were really in control here similar to how Tottenham were against Bournemouth. Uh, Jesus in the seventh minute, assisted by Ben White off a cross, and then uh, as well as Martin Odegaard, ball whipped in back post from Martinelli. Pretty much cruise control from there. Arsenal were playing with the ball very well. Comes down to a defensive miscue again in the last two weeks, give up another penalty. This time Ben Rama steps up and buries it, and we're starting to see the cracks a bit where it comes down to players having to step in for first-team guys like Rob holding and as well as Kieran Tierney here and for Zinchenko um and then the equalizer or no before that before the equalizer 
Arsenal get a lifeline in the 51st minute, I think. Get a penalty, a handball from Mikel Antonio. Jesus has the ball the whole time. This We've seen this trend this year a lot where uh, this the one player holds the ball the whole time thinking everybody thinks he's going to take it. And then at the last moment, he hands it off to somebody else. Bakayo Saka steps up. He hasn't missed a pen all year for them in the uh, for the season and then uh, misses the, the goal wide like Mo Salah's done the last two. Um, and big gasp from everybody. We didn't think we didn't see that coming. He overdoes that, and then to make things worse, a minute later, uh, West Ham proper league football play hoofed it over the top, bounces, Bowen hops on it, and then uh, volleys half volleys it near post off Ramsdale, and the game's equalized. And then from there, it's panic for Arsenal. Yeah, we couldn't get the ball. Arsenal trying to make subs. They bring in Jorginho and Trissard to change things up. Um, Partey made the mistake on the first goal there. Evan mentioned little dumb back heels and flicks. Reese Nelson, Vieira, and Ketia all come on trying to make a difference. And it just wasn't there. West Ham bag a massive point with a 2-2 draw. Gets them four points clear of the drop zone. Whereas for Arsenal, it keeps them four points above City. But City have a game in hand. And... um, make things even tighter make the noose a little bit tighter around their throat yeah i mean arsenal's season is going to come down to results we had against the worst teams in the league a 1-1 draw against southampton a 2-2 draw against west ham a two, obviously liverpool i don't a bad i team. mean you and I just real I, I don't i think you got you and city are both dropping points to those similar teams oh you i both, know but it sucks you both, have, you both have eight games where you've dropped and haven't won so i really think it's going to come down to the that that clash at the end of the month when you, when you go to eddie the etihad yeah the empty had if we can win that game i think we win the league but if even if we take a point i think we can still win the league but if we lose that game and get like smoked it's over you know yeah, all the confidence is going to be drained. Just drained right out, yeah. yeah. Um, you guys have to win this Friday before that. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of blame on Saka. Don't blame me, kid. I mean, everybody misses pens. We've seen some of the greatest players of all time miss pens. Uh, it does happen, unfortunately. Messi misses pens. Ronaldo misses pens. It, it's John just, Terry. It's John Terry. <laughs> Although he's a defender, he missed it in an extremely important uh, time. You know, it it happens. Even Beckham used to to miss pens. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, we should have won this game for sure. But West Ham, with the way they played in the second half, I'd, I'd say they deserved it. They totally deserved a point. And we didn't show up the way that we should. Uh, this is two weeks in a row now where we've absolutely fucking torched the other team in the first 25 minutes uh, and then just totally fallen off. So, uh Miguel Jesus was going to take the pen after the last game he took one. Yeah, so did I. But they gave it to Saka. I don't know. It's it's not good. What I will say is it's not good for Saka to now have because this one's gonna. I think if we lose the league, people will go back to this one and say this is why, even though it's certainly not. It's like um, the flashbacks to the Euro. To final. the Euro. That's what I'm saying. Now he's got two really tough misses. Um what are you going to do? I mean, we're seeing most solemn. This is a penalty a week at this point. So what are you going to do? It does happen. This is, it's tough. I, it's not how I wanted to, um, you know, spend my Sunday sort of, uh, just wallowing, but there's nothing we can do about it. Now we have to just figure it out. 
And, you know, we're still top of the league. We got a four-point gap. Uh, we could still lose a game and City win a game, and we we still have a one-point lead. So, I don't know. Um, oh, never mind. They have so a game in hand. So, you, so you're saying it's not on Saka and the attack as much. It's on the defense? Cause yeah, it's on Partey is who it's on. I mean, this was this game, although we did genuinely just lose it in terms of buildup, like we could not get the ball back. We couldn't. We couldn't nick it away from them and and play it out of the back. We 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 got pressed and then we just it was like Wimbledon tennis. The ball would get thrown in, it would get headed back out, funneled into the midfield, then redistributed by West Ham. Uh, I blame Thomas for this one. This was not good. He had a terrible game. He got subbed off for it, but conceding that that first goal uh, or second goal rather was was absolutely diabolical, absolutely um, unforgivable. And I mean, I don't know. The guy should be in a jail cell anyway. Apparently, he's a big rape guy, from what I hear. Well, William Saliva, non-rapist. Non-rapist. That's right. Um, yes. No allegations against him. Um, he's set at best to come back this Friday, but I think he should be back for the city game. Do you think that'll make a major difference from Rob Holding? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't think Holding is very good, but. It's not like he's, he's... The best with what he's with yeah what no he I agree had. I agree I just think Saliba's uh, a defender of a much higher quality. Um, him and Gabriel seem to play really well together. The only issue I think um, is that we don't really necessarily know what his fitness is going to be like. Uh, right. We we've taken our time for sure getting him back, but uh, we definitely need him in there. And I'm hoping he's at full fitness. Uh, obviously, I'm not expecting that. It's very rare that a player comes right back and is right back on pace but uh if we're going to win the league if we're going to make it tight it we we certainly need him back in there because uh, you know for a majority of the season he was you know i'd say probably a top five center back in the league right yeah easily yeah so um we'll see uh let's move on to a result that i think we expected but weren't expecting these goal scores nottingham forest nil manchester united two Anthony with a goal in the 32nd minute. And Diogo Dallo, uh, his first Premier League goal in the 76th minute. This was a much, much better uh, performance from United than we've probably seen. Um, <clears throat> well, maybe not. I don't know. They've got three in their last three. But things have been a bit shaky. I don't think they've been uh, as calculated as they were when Rashford was at full fitness and they were scoring all of these goals. Um, this was a good performance from Bruno. I thought it was a decent performance from Sancho. Martial just looks jack like more jacked every time I see him, but wasn't really a factor in this one. But Anthony, I think, played great. This was the most mature I have seen Anthony play uh, all season. It was extremely important that he show up, uh, that he listen to his coach, which he doesn't hardly ever do. He shoots the ball a lot when he shouldn't. He does terrible goofy dribble moves, um, but a great goal in the 32nd, calculated finish, and then Dalo uh, with his first prem goal in the 76th was just, you're getting goals, you need the goals, you have to sit on it. They didn't make a ton of mistakes in defense. Uh, Lindelof and Maguire at the back, I thought was going to be an absolute disaster, and thankfully, Johnson and uh, Awani didn't just absolutely carve them because... When I saw the team sheet come out, I was like, good Lord, they could get absolutely cooked. Thankfully, they've got Casemiro back and they had Erickson back there to sort of cover them a little bit. 
Um, but this was a good performance. This is what you need at this point in the season as United. Uh, you're in third. You need to take the three points against a relegation side and just move on. So that's what they did. Yeah, and they did it with half their team injured. Right. I mean, yeah. both center backs out. Luke Shaw was out. Backup Malassia out. You're playing Deleu, a right back, conventionally playing left. I mean, even pre-match warm-up, Sabitzer injured himself, and Erickson had to step in, and we had a scare in the game. De Gea might have had to come out. So they're they're playing with fire there, and they played a team at the perfect time. A uh, big win on the road here at the at the city ground. So. Credit to them there. Forrest on their day, just not there. Felipe, since he's come in in January, has been a massive impact for them defensively. Uh, Scott McKenna had a decent game, but attacking-wise wasn't there and had a nice little Lingard cameo at the end of the game. Um, I'm sure he was walking off telling the, the, his teammates how shit the, the, the situation is with Forrest. And after his one-year contract with them, he'll probably go back to Vegas this summer and party some more. I don't know where he's going to end up next, but... Uh, also saw Valvecourse come on and got in a nice little scuffle with a uh, Niacate. Um, yeah. I thought he was going to do the the height check as a taunt to one of them. <laughs> All right, let's move on. This one's you. This is the last game of the week. Leeds United one, Liverpool six. Yeah, this is the Liverpool team previous years that we've expected when we when they play teams at the at Leeds is level a yeah. six one massacre. We saw it start off in the 35th minute, Gakpo, um, assisted by Trent, who, credit to you. DM. Credit to you. A long time (laughs) been saying that, probably since the fall. The question was, can they try Trent in its center mid role? And we saw a little bit of time in the Arsenal game he was in there. And now from the start of this game, they played him in there and he was extremely happy. He was sick. He was really good. That's yeah. where he played growing up. I think that's where he's comfortable. Yeah, he adds a new dimension to the team with his passing range. Yep. Um, previous years with Henderson was kind of that role with that deep line playmaker. And now Alec, Trent Alexander-Arnold can step into that and be more of a pinpoint guy when Tiago's out. And he, that's what he did here. Uh, Mo Salah gets a goal. Sinistera makes it interesting. So the second half, Konate with a bit of an error gives them a freebie. But... Instant replies Jota with a third, Mo Salah fourth, Jota with a fifth, yeah. and then Darwin Nunes comes on in the ninety or comes on in the eighty second and bags himself one, getting off a of fraud watch for a longer period of time now. Indeed, uh, with uh, Trent getting his second assist, so two braces and um, a, a brace of assists for Trent. So uh, I don't know where. Speaking for Leeds, you get obliterated 6-1. Now you have the worst defense, giving up 60. You're exactly where you've been the last two years. Your attack is good, but your defense kills you. Um, what, what do you think the chances are going from here? I mean, not good. I feel like at this point, I've kind of seen enough of Leeds. Um, yeah. I know when they came up, everybody was really excited that Leeds were back. Uh, in the Premier League, but this kind of football is just like it's not re- like even entertaining, honestly. Even when they're like stunting and styling uh, offensively, I they decent periods in this game. Yeah, there was decent periods in the game, but defensively, like it's so hard to watch. You know what I mean? It's so bad, and I think their their midfield and their their build up once it gets to around where Adams was playing 
it's better for sure. Um, but the defense, like you're, you're just not going to win games if you play like that. I know Liverpool, like this is a day where everybody showed up for Liverpool, right? They tried everybody something new. They were really good. They they pumped it. Everybody up top, all of their their good wingers and forwards, they all scored. They were all confident. Like, okay, that's fine. But still, Leeds didn't even it didn't even look like they were trying to defend. They they just got fucking smoked at every turn. And I don't know who you can bring in manager wise to shore that up because it seems like to me Marsh wasn't able to do it. Bielsa, we obviously know, didn't doesn't even uh, believe in I defense. I don't I don't think it's the I don't think it's well, I guess yeah. I think it's, it's personnel. No, I think it the manager that comes in the last couple, they don't buy defenders, and if they do, they buy a handful. I mean, this defense has needed a full makeover since they've come up. They've given yeah. up over 60 goals every season and have been fortunate that there are teams worse than them that can't score goals. Like, Junior Firpo is a Barcelona failure. Strauch yeah. has been filling at left back, filling center back. Uh, Cock is just, like, average, Cock. solid solid mustache, little pencil on there. <laughs> yeah, he does have a nice stash. Christensen was brought in by Marsh. He's been okay, but hasn't been consistent. And then the guys on their bench just aren't good enough. To, I mean, Wobber has come in and been decent, a decent signing. Uh, Luke Ayling is the leader in the back. He wasn't fully fit. And Liam Cooper, the club captain, is just a bit too old and just doesn't have the pace. Um, and they're just leaving Meslier exposed to get absolutely bullied. So they need a full overhaul there. And, I, I mean, is it more so that or is it that they weren't expecting Liverpool to be Liverpool here and we saw this with United they beat United 7-0 it was just absolute annihilation well that that's probably yeah that's probably part of it as well I don't know if it's a one-off though I think I truly think and I obviously you said credit to me like I've been on record with this I think moving TAA into the midfield opens up like a back three yeah it opens up so many passing lanes and you have guys that are finishers. Gakpo is a finisher. Jota is a finisher. Salah, the same thing. He's even more creative than the other two. Like, if if Trent is playing those diagonals through and those guys are streaking, they are going to carve whoever they play against. Truly. Yeah, they're all fast. They're so all really pace. fast. And they're all good, good finishers. It's not like they're going to get up there like Traore and just fucking blow it wide. Um yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's a one-off. Liverpool looked really good, and I know Leeds is shit, and they don't, they can't defend and whatever else. But, um, like you said, Trent had a smile on his face pretty much the entire game. He looked like he was he was having quite a day, and I think probably because he didn't have to do as much defending. Probably because he knows he's shit at it, yeah. and it just makes more sense, I think, to find a fullback. Then it and and move Trent into the defensive midfield or even really the attacking midfield it doesn't matter. He's that he's that good um, with the ball at his feet and and find a new fullback. And now you don't have to look for you know three guys to replace or three guys to to take over Jude. the midfield. Right? Yeah, exactly. They don't need Jude. Maybe that was the plan all along. Just say, oh, we don't need Jude. We're just going to use TAA in there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm really not sure if it's an outlier. This one, I, you know, you guys know I don't like Liverpool, 
but it was kind of really enjoyable to watch. The first 25 it's... minutes sucked, but um, once the goal started flowing, like this was a it, it is nice to see Liverpool like score and the players yeah, they yeah. paid a lot for score. It was scary seeing Firmino Diaz and Nunes all coming in to replace the already like crazy good front three in there and Jota Gakpo and Salah. I know they have so many attacking players, so many good ones. And Diaz is coming back from a injury from back in October. So I right. mean, they're gonna close out the year strong. I think their last we know this was only their fourth win on the away this year in the league. And the rest of their away games, I think, are against bottom six clubs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you think right now they're sitting they're sitting eighth right in the table? Yeah. Or, I'm just double checking real quick. I was on something else. Yeah, the third. Yeah, they're sitting eighth, forty seven points, nine back from fourth. Do you think they have a ten twenty percent chance of making top four? I would say a ten to twenty percent chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think the chances are great. But there is absolutely a chance if they string, you know, if they, they use this as a, a jumping off point and just start absolutely pumping goals in, uh, then yeah, I totally think there's there's a chance. And it's hard. I'm looking, yeah. I'm What's looking up? at their I was just I'm looking at the teams they play and it's looking really good. Forest at home, yeah, West Ham away, Tottenham at home, Fulham at home, Brentford at home, Leicester away, Villa at home, and then they end the year away at Southampton. I mean there look like there are some games on there they can get six like Forest, Southampton, Southampton at the end of the year might be down already. Fulham are nothing to play for, Tottenham or Tottenham. Brentford look iffy, Leicester are might be down as well. I mean, yeah. They might be just absolutely pounding teams. Yeah, and it's really hard to work yourself back into games when you as a as a team that would be playing against Liverpool when you can't cut down the passing lanes and these guys are just like sprinting at 90 miles an hour right at you, right? Especially if you're a relegation side and your defense isn't full of all-star defenders, it's going to be really hard to stop them. And then your confidence goes out the window once they put two in. Um, There's absolutely a chance, and it may be rich coming from me who shit on them all season. Um, there may be a chance that Liverpool can can sneak into the top four, and that will be important because they're trying to attack uh, attract some some new players uh, in the summer, maybe some potential midfield replacements uh, for an aging out Henderson and an aging out Milner. I just maybe new right back now, and probably yeah, they'll have to go for a new right back as well. That'll be an interesting thing to look at and see the available players uh, because as far as I know, like the market is not super flush uh with with right back left back talents from germany and england you would imagine klopp would would probably bring one in from germany but who knows Mazarawi. Mazarawi, he doesn't play that much um hakimi yeah i mean hakimi's hakimi's in the mud right now but uh he 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 beat the system yeah but he's also got some um, he's with Mbappe out there. He yeah, be. I don't think he's going to leave, but he's also got some allegations as well. Him and Thomas been hanging out. Oh no. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know how our conversation always revolves or rotates back into. That. Well, because these guys just can't fucking stop. There's, there's, <laughs> they just cannot stop. There, every single time we, and just yesterday, I see somebody's looking at Mason Greenwood. Like, just yeah. stop, stop with the rape, stop. Uh, 
No, that that was going around for a few days whether they should take him back. Um, yeah. Oh my god! R- real quick, turn it back to Leeds. Just I, I just want to say that I would say their season depends on the next three games. They got Fulham away, uh, Leicester at home, and Bournemouth away. All six pointers, and then after that, it's City, Newcastle, West Ham, Tottenham. So mud. Um, the the month of April is is the definition of Leeds right now. They're going down. Yeah, I think I think when we did bottom three predictions, I think I, we we both had Leeds going down. Yeah, I th- I mean that is that's harrowing to look at, and no no question about that. I don't I don't see how they're gonna stay up like realistically. It just doesn't. When you look at those, like how many points do they take from six pointers? Maybe how many six I mean, pointers do they have? Three, three in a row. If they can get seven points out of that, it's pretty good. Yeah, there's no way they do that though. I don't think they get. They might get four. I don't think they get seven. I think. I just think that's Leicester is a direct competitor there. Leicester's already in the relegation zone. If you, take I think if you put a them, gun to my head, I'm taking Leicester over them right now, though. That's given given Dean Henderson that new manager bounce and seeing if he can figure something new out. But I mean, they don't look like they have any motivation to do any better either. I know it's just really it's so ugly down there. Nottingham Forest have a little bit of fight left. Everton have some fight. West Ham and Bournemouth, we just saw they certainly all have some fight. Um, I think Wolves and I think Wolves and Palace are good. I think. Yeah, no, they're good. They're out of the mud. They're out of the mud. And then Chelsea, obviously, out of the mud. Maybe not. I don't know. No, I don't think Uh, so. (laughs) I think Palace might jump us after this weekend. It's possible. Maybe you guys needed to bring in Big Roy. Maybe that was the issue. Roy Hodgson. We might as well bring Big Sam. I mean, I'm sure he's somewhere. I'm sure he's on a beach somewhere eating a sausage roll. You can uh, just... you can't do that. You just get bring back uh on Big Sam. No, you gotta bring Hiddink back for like a third time. Oh yeah, Goose Hiddink. Gotta get Goose back in there. Oh uh, yeah, he was a demon for sure. Or Di Matteo. Di Matteo's been here and he won the Oh, champion. I remember him as well, yeah. That didn't um, last long. No. Well, I guess that's it, right, for us? This was a long episode. We kind of stretched it, and we didn't even do um, didn't even do our predictions. But those will be out on, I guess yeah. we'll release them Thursday or Friday. I think Friday. 10 minutes of that was my rant on Chelsea. Well, that's fine. You needed to get it out. It's all right. Yeah, I feel a little better. But, I mean, we have another game in two hours, and I'm going to be back in the, in the, in the mud. Oh, uh, yeah. It's true. Uh, I'm not looking forward to watching that. I think maybe I'll just uh, watch I'm gonna, I'm Napoli next, and Milan. Next. You can watch that or Wrexham's on. You can watch Wrexham. Yeah. Who do they play? They play Yeovil. Yeovil. Yeovil Town. Yeovil Town. I'd, I'd, I'm at the point where I'd rather watch Tier 5 English football. Than no, it's not even. It's it's non-league, isn't it? Yeah, fifth tier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fifth tier. Top four professional. That's right. Um. All right. Well, I guess that's it from us. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy your Champions League Tuesday, and we will see you guys all next week.